Is it too early? Can I say Merry Christmas? Is that all right? I've been doing it in public like for uh, like a week or two already, you know, and, and people sometimes, they, they're, they're already caught off guard. And I don't know if it's just too early and that's my, my fault or not, but, uh, but I'll tell you what, it's, it's always fun to do that. And if you get a happy holidays, make sure that you, you know, don't be afraid to say Merry Christmas. I know I said that last week, but just, just, just put it out there, right? You want to practice it with me? Let's do that. Let's practice, okay? All right. On the count of three, we'll just say Merry Christmas. All right. Are you with me? Are you, okay. One, two, three. Merry Christmas. Do you see how good that sounds? That is absolutely amazing. Yeah, I love it. So when I say, when I say the name Ebenezer Scrooge, I want you to tell me what comes to your mind when I say that. Thank you. Somebody said it right away. Bah humbug, okay? Uh, Charles Dickens wrote A Christmas Carol in 1843, and it is set in Victorian London. London was Dickens' hometown. Historians tell us that he would literally walk through the city just to experience the powerful smells of the city, okay? In 1843, um, there wasn't the sanitary things that we have today, so that city was ripe, to say the least, and he would literally walk through the city to smell that for inspiration for his writing. I did not realize this, but the first version of A Christmas Carol came out as a silent movie in 1901. That really surprised me. But let me ask you a question. I want you to take a guess. How many versions of A Christmas Carol do you think have been produced? 135. That's a lot of versions of A Christmas Carol. But Dickens' story features Ebenezer Scrooge, of course, a miserly businessman who overworks and underpays his, uh, his counting house clerk, Bob Cratchit. Cratchit's son, Tiny Tim, is, is sick or injured, and, and he needs some sort of a life-saving procedure. Scrooge believes that Christmas is an excuse for workers to steal a day's wages from their employer in turn for no work whatsoever. And when you really watch the the movie and pay close attention to it, and I'm not talking about Mickey Mouse's version, uh, which there is one, or Jim Carrey's version, um, but when you watch some of the older historical ones and you really pay attention, you learn some things that otherwise we did not realize. And one of the, the things that had escaped me is that His partner, Jacob Marley, had died that Christmas Eve seven years earlier. And now on that evening, the spirit of his dead business partner appears to him, promising him that he will be visited by three spirits. The ghost of Christmas past, the ghost of Christmas present, and the ghost of Christmas future. Their objective is to give Scrooge a second chance in order that, uh, that he would not experience the same fate 
as did his former business partner. According to R.C. Sproul, the famous preacher, Scrooge's statement of Bah Humbug was more than just an expression. It actually was, was a form of Victorian profanity. When we say Bah Humbug, we say it, you know, we sort of almost jokingly as we're, we're sort of making fun of Scrooge, but Scrooge was actually meaning something very specific. He was profaning the very idea of Christmas. And you and I know that Christmas is a celebration of the birth of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Scrooge was demeaning those holy origins and the sanctity of Christmas. He actually despised that sacredness of Christmas every time he said it. It was a very specific and intended response to those who spoke of Christmas. So today, we're going to go back and look at some of the major themes throughout the movie, throughout the story, and we're going to relate them to our lives. And, and, and you know, preachers got to have three points, right? Okay, this is the perfect this is the perfect thing for a preacher to have three points. You don't have to wonder what your three points are because they are the ghost of Christmas past, the ghost of Christmas present, and the ghost of Christmas future. And so you just, you just kind of go into your preparation and, you, and, and it just sort of puts you at ease a little bit. So let's go. Let's start with the ghost of Christmas past. The ghost of Christmas past, he transports Scrooge to the time of his childhood, some of his younger years where we learned some really important things about what made Scrooge the man that he ultimately became. We find that Scrooge spent his Christmases at boarding school. He was not brought home to be with the family. And there was a reason behind this. You see, Scrooge's mother had died in childbirth and the child who was born was Scrooge. And so his father was extremely bitter toward him and had no patience for him as he did for other children in their family. And so Scrooge was kept away from the family. And in particular, it was noticeable at the holiday times. Scrooge had an advocate, however, in his family. It was his sister, a loving sister, who he called Fan. And she also died as a young woman, leaving a young child behind. But she loved her brother, and Scrooge loved his sister. From that point on in Scrooge's life, he really made a conscious decision to pursue wealth rather than love and family in his own life. And we see that that really made a powerful impact on him as when it came time that he really should move ahead with his relationship with the woman that he had, had known and been engaged to, Belle, he decided to continue to pursue wealth so that he might be able to provide the things that she would need, and she only wanted him as her husband, not the wealth. So that's going to bring us to what I think in, in the ghost of Christmas past, there are three powerful truths that I think we can take out of that, that one part of Scrooge's night that really can make an impact in our lives. The first one is this. 
That is, your past does not determine your future. Obviously, Scrooge was hurt by the various impactful events during his younger year. And I have no doubt in my mind that every single one of us in this place, out in the hub and here in the sanctuary, if we think about our younger years or we think even possibly our recent past, we can pick out things that have hurt us. No one escapes this. There is no one that lives a life without some form of hurt and pain. And Scrooge was someone that was deeply affected. So maybe during your formative years, things happened to you that have caused you to look at life a certain way or to follow a certain path. Philippians chapter 3, beginning at verse 13, the Apostle Paul says this, but I can do one thing, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. The results of being new in Jesus is that the old things are passed away and that everything becomes new in our lives. And I want us to understand today that no matter what has happened to us, that God gives us a fresh start through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. The psalmist even says that if we've been abandoned by our parents, that God does not abandon us. And so we can understand that that even if I've suffered terribly in my life, even if in my childhood I was not wanted, I was not cared for, we can understand that God does not abandon us, that he loves us, and those early years or the painful things that we have suffered in life do not have to determine our future. We have new life in Jesus Christ. The second truth is that life is fleeting, but eternity lasts forever. Something that I really held on to during my mom's funeral uh, about two and a half years ago uh, was the scripture that says that that, uh, before we've even lived one of our days, that all of those days were literally written in his book. And I envision, I envision God's book. And I envision there in that book an entry. And that entry was Barbara Brown Taylor. And it was her birthday. And it was also the day that she died. And that those entries were written in his book before she even lived one of them. God knew what her life would be. And so she faced that knowing that her Savior was with her, knowing that God was there with her, and that that God understood. Those 74 years that my mom lived, when I look at the amount of it that I was around for, it went by pretty fast. This life does not last very long. In fact, James chapter 4 and verse 14 says, Why do you even, uh, you do not even know what will happen? What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. And friends, if that was all there was to this life, it would be so sad 
but I assure you there is so much more. C.T. Studd wrote a poem and it said this, only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Jacob Marley's ghost came to Scrooge in order to warn him about that very thing, that life is short. And the choices that we make in this life affect us in eternity. You know, when you look at Jacob Marley's character in the movie, you see that he's dragging chains. And, and you, if you look closely at the chains, the chains are connected to boxes that he's dragging along with him. Do you know what those are? Cash boxes. You see, Jacob Marley was just the same as Scrooge. He lived his life for the pursuit of wealth. And so in eternity, he carried those chains with him. He carried those boxes that represented what his life was all about. He carried those behind him, and he literally could not leave them. Friends, I I want you to know today that just like Marley wanted for Scrooge, God desires to give us an opportunity and says to us, it's not too late to change. Marley bore those chains of bondage representing his judgment. But he wanted to give Scrooge that opportunity to change before it was too late. And even though there are wicked people in this world who seem to prosper without recompense, you can be assured that they, they will face the, the same eternal limits that you and I will face. They will all face judgment as well. The, writers of Hebrew, the writer of Hebrews reminds us that it's appointed unto man once to die, and after that will be the judgment. And we know that the pleasure of sin lasts briefly, but our reward for a relationship with Jesus Christ is eternal life in the presence of God. This life will only last for a short time. I could have preached this message a year ago and the same truth would be true and yet on January 25th, I died. You might be sitting here and thinking, I've got time. I've got time. Man, I, 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 I never could have imagined that something would have happened to me like happened to me that day. The truth is, you do not know. You don't know how many years or how many months or how many days God will give you. You don't know what that second number is in God's book that represents the end of your days. This life is so short and eternity is so long. That God said, I want to give you every chance that I possibly can that you might come into my family, come into my kingdom and spend eternity with me. Truth number three, money does not produce fulfillment. The writer of Hebrews chapter 13 verse 5, it said, Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have. Hebrews says it doesn't produce fulfillment in our lives. Scrooge made a calculated choice 
to put money first as the pursuit of his life. And the ghost of Christmas uh, past showed him that that, uh, that, that calculated choice was going to have an impact on his life. And he went and even showed him what he missed out on. And he showed him what it would have been like to have a family. He showed him what he missed out on. If we pursue wealth, there's so much that we will miss along the way. In fact, if we place wealth or achievement or fame or possessions, even if we place family first in our lives before God, we will miss out. In fact, only the peace, only peace that comes from God through a personal relationship with Jesus can bring fulfillment in our lives. Without God, even the world's wealthiest person will not have contentment. And yet Paul found that he could have contentment even when he had lack. So it's not what we have or don't have that makes us fulfilled or gives us contentment. But ultimately, it's that relationship with Jesus Christ that gives us that fulfillment. Let's move to the ghost of Christmas present. He confronts Ebenezer with what he has become. I think this is really awesome and something that we don't expect. But Scrooge has allowed the hurts from his past to cause him to raise a wall of protection around himself and that wall of protection is made with his prosperity. It is made with his earthly wealth. And he literally despises the poor. Are you with me? He despises the poor. Dickens himself, as I mentioned earlier, he grew up impoverished. So he used his talents as a writer to address this issue. He wrote... This Christmas carol in 1843, in the 1840s, were known as the Hungry Forties. That will give you an idea of what London was like at that time. And particularly children in London, were, they were literally starving on the streets. The English government had a serious problem on their hands. And so these starving children, those that were aged, those that were impoverished, they needed some sort of help. And so the Poor Law, the Poor Law Amended Act of 1834 was brought into place to ensure that, that no able-bodied person could, uh, could get poor relief unless they lived in what was called a workhouse. And children would, they, as I mentioned, they would starve in the streets unless they went into the poorhouses and, and the workhouses. And those workhouses were, the, the government was so concerned that anyone that could possibly take care of themselves stay out of those workhouses, they made them awful. They made them a terrible thing. Because they didn't want to have to spend any more money than absolutely necessary for those that were in need. And so children whose parents either left them in the workhouses or had taken them in as a family, some of them were sold into slavery for the factories. I want you to envision this. 
and think about it in terms of our culture and where we are today, we think nothing could ever happen like this. How could that happen? Some of those children were literally sold into prostitution during the 1840s. Those workhouses were awful places. Earlier in the movie, Scrooge is approached by two gentlemen in the stock exchange. They're looking for contributions for the poor and needy. And Scrooge asks this question, are there no prisons? Are there no workhouses? And they said, yes, of course. They, they're, they're literally full. Scrooge thought, you know what? For a minute there, I thought you were going to tell me that those things had ceased to exist. You see, Scrooge felt by paying his taxes that he was doing enough for his fellow man because the government used that money for those prisons and poor houses. He considered the poor to be a surplus population that ultimately should be decreased. Friends, how do we look at those who are less fortunate than us? In the movie, the ghost of Christmas present pulls back his robe down by his feet and you remember seeing the two children that were there emaciated, dirty, sunken eyes and Scrooge asks who the children are and he says ignorance and want are their names. Scrooge hated the sight of them and he, he said please, please Spirit, please close your robe over them again. And he said, I will. You can't see them, but they're still here. Friends, there are still those around us, though we may not be able to see them every day, that are in need. And they need something. They need something to meet their needs. There's two ways for us to look at poverty today. We can... We can look at poverty on a local level. I was thrilled that a little, about a week ago, a week ago Friday, that the church was able to partner with Silver Creek Thrift and we brought in Feeding America for another event and 185 families received food that day. And they, had to, they came into our building we, we walked them through the line. The food was still all outside on the edge of the parking lot. Um, so they had to be willing to, to come outside for a little bit. Thankfully, it wasn't too cold. But 185 families, and my heart rejoiced as we saw people that were here for the first event come back again. And, and they're starting to recognize us, and we're starting to build relationships with them. But we have that opportunity to do that. Here in Marquette County, almost 16% of our population lives under the poverty level. We've gone down to Milwaukee a number of times and worked with Diane de Los Santos and City on a Hill in Milwaukee County, just to give you a comparison, okay? Here in Marquette County, almost 16%. Milwaukee County, in which for a large city, Milwaukee is one of the poorer large cities in our, in our country, and the, the, those that live below the poverty rate in Milwaukee County is 17.5%. So Marquette County 
is close to even what Milwaukee County is. Parts of Milwaukee County, just to give you an idea, are 38.8% of them living below the poverty level. Globally, there are 3 billion people, half the population of the earth, that live on less than $2.50 a day. Proverbs 21.13 says, Whoever shuts their ears to the cry of the poor will also cry out and not be answered. Proverbs tell us, tells us that blessed is the man who is generous to the poor. So you, you say, what can I do? We can give, we can serve, we can help others in the name of Jesus. And in 2019, part of the vision of Silver Creek Church is that we are going to continue to meet the needs of our community wherever we can through our block party, where kids get backpacks and school supplies, where their families came into the sanctuary here and received thousands of articles of clothing, some brand new, some that were used, but they were able to walk out of here with school supplies and clothes and shoes to be ready for the school year. We can continue to partner with New Threads of Hope as we do Operation Winterwear, giving out hundreds of coats, hundreds of, of pairs of boots and, and, and snow pants and mittens and hats and gloves. We can continue to do those things. We can continue to partner with Feeding America. We can continue to partner with Be the Tool as we help people repair parts of their homes that otherwise they would not have the ability to do. God has called us as a church to have an impact on our community, not just in one way, but in multiple ways. And so I want to encourage you. 1 John chapter 3 and verse 17 says, If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Friends, the ghost of Christmas present challenged Scrooge to be attentive to the needs of others. And Today I want to draw your attention to that that what we are doing is part of the heart of God for our community, that in the name and the love of Jesus Christ, that we reach out to those that have less than we do, and we bless them in the name of Jesus. We meet their needs in the name of Jesus. One of the vice presidents of Convoy of Hope is a friend of mine who came here a number of years ago and shared with our people and said that, until people have that physical need met in their life, they cannot make a decision about eternity. Friends, we have been given a gift that we are able to share with our community. And finally, the ghost of Christmas future. The ghost of Christmas future takes Scrooge to see what the world would be like if the future remained unaltered. He's faced with the reality of what people think of him after he dies because of his miserly ways. Scrooge is once again taken behind the scenes at Cratchit's home. He witnesses the grief that the family has as a result of the death of their sick child, Tiny Tim. 
He's finally faced with his ultimate mortality, and he begs the Spirit for mercy. Scrooge says to the ghost of Christmas future that he would not be the same. He talks about living an altered life. But friends, what could produce such a change in a person? He literally sits on the ground and, he, and, he, and he's wiping his hands over his name on the gravestone and he asks to sponge away the writing on that gravestone. And I ask this question, what cleansing agent is so powerful that it can erase that which has carved in granite? And I only know one such substance and it's the blood of Jesus. I don't care what your life has been like up to this point. Jesus, through his blood, can change everything. Jeremiah 17, verse 9, it says that the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? I, I get it that on our own, to change is difficult if not impossible, but with God, all things are possible. And I love the words of Ezekiel, the prophet in Ezekiel 36. He said, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from your heart of stone. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and to be careful to keep my laws. Friends, we talked about it last week, the story of the Grinch who stole Christmas and this week Scrooge, and both are stories of redemption. God is a God of second chances, no matter how far we may be from him. And Christmas is a time of year when we think about going home. Maybe for you, the way you've lived your life, the things that have happened to you have caused such bitterness in you that you feel that you cannot go home. Maybe you feel that God would never want you. I want you to know that God loved you so much that he sent his son as a baby in the manger. Why? to reunite you with himself. Maybe you have had a, a bah humbug attitude, not so much about Christmas, but maybe about the cross, maybe about the church, maybe about God. He may not send three spirits to haunt you, but he did send his son Jesus. And he sent his Holy Spirit as well, all for the purpose of drawing you to himself. Would you bow your heads with me? Father, I thank you for the Christmas story. And Lord, as we understand Christmas, so much of it has been impacted by stories like Dickens' story. And Lord, we can see Similar things with our society. We can see similar things even in our, ourselves, our own lives or our own families. Maybe there are invitations that have been given year after year after year that are not accepted because of the brokenness that exists 
Father, help us to realize that in Jesus, those can be healed. Father, maybe there's hurts that exist in us that run so deep, that have affected our direction so much, we really don't know if we could ever change from that. But I pray today that we would understand that there's hope in Jesus. The same Jesus of whom the shepherds came and worshipped. The same Jesus that the angels sang about. The same Jesus that the magi came and offered their gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. He's here for us today. And Father, I pray whatever hurt and pain has been suffered in the past, no matter what brokenness we might have within our families, whatever we find ourselves, I pray, Father, that we would understand today that there is hope for transformation in the name of Jesus. Father, I pray today for that heart that is hurting so desperately, that wonders if things can ever change. And Father, I pray that today that you would inspire hope. 